I'm talking to Nancy Grace, whom you always hear and see on TV when something or somebody's somehow gone wrong. Nancy Grace is Fox Nation's A1 crime reporter. She's been on the front page with the Gabby Petito, Brian Laundry story. Listen, when did you begin working on this Gabby Petito, Brian Laundry case? When did it start for you? Oh, Cindy, what a case. What a heartbreak all around the Gabby Petito, Brian Laundry case has been. Well, the moment that I first learned Gabby Petito was missing and under such unusual circumstances, I jumped on the case and started looking for answers immediately. What does it mean to jump on the case? I mean, if I'm sitting home, I could jump on the case. I don't know where to go and what to do. How do you jump on such a case? Well, for me, I immediately start trying to contact everybody and anybody that I think may be knowledgeable about what happened to Gabby Petito. For instance, I reached her parents, her mother, her father, um, anyone connected to the Brian Laundry case. I called back on connections, the sources that I've long known. I dug up my guide that took me through an alligator-infested swamp about an hour away from the Carlton Reserve to talk about whether Brian Laundry could actually be in the Carlton Reserve and could he live there? How could he live there? Would he leave the trail? Um, and could he be found? Anything and everything I could do to advance the case. Okay. I'm not sure since I don't know how this kind of thing begins. If Do you suggest a story on your own, or did the TV guys suggest you follow a certain story? How does it come to you that you do these? Well, typically, I find a story. Um, very often, Fox would like me to look at a particular story, and I'm always happy to. Can I tell you, there's never a lack of business. Uh, I'm always, there's always the case, and I want to be clear, I'm saying story, but these are not stories. These are real, with real people, and real heartache, and real mysteries that need to be solved. And I don't care if you are on the front page of the New York Post every day, or if nobody's ever heard of your name. I want cases resolved, and I don't want to arrest just anybody. I want the right body behind bars. Okay. Uh, ha- uh, Nancy Grace, how do you suddenly show up on the scene? For instance, you, you get these phone numbers, you know how to get a Brian Laundry family. How does it start, Nancy? I wouldn't know. I'm a reporter myself. I wouldn't know how to start with something like that. Well, typically, you go to the scene. For instance, on another case, I just got back from South Carolina. Yeah. And, uh, we hit the ground running. And everybody I saw, I questioned about the case, whether I was in a Jimmy John's or the lobby of the Holiday Inn or at the gas station or the car rental or the boat marina. You talk to people. It's just like putting together a case when I prosecuted in inner city Atlanta. You go there. Don't just sit in your easy chair and imagine what happened. Go find out what happened. And you talk to one. I mean, Cindy, who am I telling this to? You call one person. They give you a name. And they give you a name. And the next thing you know, you're talking about the suspect's uh, next-door neighbor or, or house or housemate or roommate from last year. And you find out what happened. Well, it takes a while, but it's worth it. 
Okay, I know about that. I mean, I've done this all my life. I understand that. But in a case like this, everybody gets nervous or everybody clams up or everybody says, don't say you spoke to me or don't mention my name. I would imagine they would be hiding more than they would be telling. A lot of people do say that. You're right, Cindy. A lot of people want to remain anonymous, and that is absolutely fine with me. I don't need to broadcast their name or my involvement to get the truth. But yes, you're right. A lot of people don't want to be uh, named as being a source. Okay. But I've dealt with that since I was prosecuting. That's what we call CI, confidential informants. So when you started to search for Brian Laundrie, you, that's when you started the case, when, when it happened with, with her. You started searching for Brian Laundrie right away? Yes, we did, and at that time, we were also looking for Gabby, because at the beginning, of course, no one knew that Gabby had been lying out in the wilderness, decomposing. But when the body cam footage uh, emerged from the Moab, Utah police, right then, I've had a very good idea of what had happened, because I believe Gabby was a better woman um, she was upset and crying. He was calm and cool. She described how he grabbed her face, her chin, how he locked her out of the van. Uh, it was her van. Yeah. Uh, away from her things, took her cell phone. I worked at the Better Women Center at night, mostly, for nine years as a volunteer in inner city Atlanta. And control is such a, a critical part of gathering of domestic abuse, control, whether it's ripping the phone line out of the home or taking the car keys when you leave so your wife or your partner has no control. That's what I saw there. Oh, I see. So tell us what, tell us what, you, first of all, you went to the, act. you actually went to this Florida swamp, didn't you? You actually went there. Well, the cultural preserve was closed off, so I went to a nearby swamp with similar, if not identical, conditions. And can I tell you something, Cindy Adams? Yeah. We had not been out in the water for five minutes before we saw, and we counted, I would say 30 to 34 gators. And some big, some small. And, I mean, there's no place to live. I would say it is uninhabitable simply because it's hard to get fresh water. And as I said it, after about two days of the search of Culture Preserve, he's not in there alive. He is not surviving in there alive where he would have left some sort of trace to be found. I mean, Cindy, when uh, drones can't find you, scent dogs can't find you, ATV, no, cadet, a man-to-man search, divers couldn't find him, I, I knew he was either not in there or not in there alive. You mean it might have been alligators? I thought that he was either hiding out somewhere else or that he was in culture preserve dead. Now, how he died, uh, I doubt pretty seriously that he was killed by a gator. But I do believe this. I believe Brian Warner's remains have been scattered. I believe that he was killed. And then with the swamp waters rising... His remains went up and then down and scattered 20, 30, 40 feet and are now under sediment. It's going to be very difficult to put over 200 bones back together. 
Well, how did they and, get? Know, yeah, go, go, go ahead. Go, 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 go. Cindy, you know, we're still waiting on the forensic anthropologist to give an absolute positive ID. Now, I know the FBI has said this is him, but I would rather that identification be based on DNA, which can be taken from a tooth, can be taken from a bone, as opposed to, oh, this cavity matches his dental records from 2001. No, I don't want that. I want positive DNA match, and that's what we're waiting on. The remains are now with a forensic anthropologist, and I'm waiting to hear back. Well, how do you even determine DNA if he's in fragments? How do you determine that? Well, this is how I think they're going to do it. We have been, well, we've learned that a skull was found that they believe is Brian Warner. It was completely skeletonized. But they made an identification based on dental records. That tells me that there are teeth. It was a partial skull. I don't know what happened to the rest of the skull, but it was enough to make an ID based on the teeth. In the teeth, at this point anyway, even though the body is skeletonized, there is enough DNA in the root of each tooth. You get DNA from the root of the tooth, and you have full-on DNA. I believe they will compare that to DNA extracted from the laundry home, probably mitochondrial DNA, which is DNA taken from, for instance, a hairbrush. You don't need a nucleus to get mitochondrial DNA. That's DNA linking to the mother only. We will get a DNA match, and I pray to God that it is Brian Laundry. You mean there's the possibility it could be some other creature? I think, uh, no, it's absolutely <coughs> human. And I believe also, Cindy, that, I mean, if you look at extrinsic evidence, not just the evidence from the lab, not just the scientific evidence, those bones were found near his notepad, near his dry bag, which takes him to go camping <coughs> in the water. So what's the likelihood that somebody else's bones were that near Brian Laundry's artifacts? Pretty low. So I think it is going to be him. Now, what do I think about that? Not happy. Not happy because I wanted to see Brian Laundry have his day in court. I wanted to see justice of the court. I wanted Gabby's parents to finally learn what really happened, but I think I know what happened. I think Brian Laundrie was angry with her for whatever reason. doesn't really even take a reason that he has exhibited domestic violence in the past and that after the Moab incident, he was angry and she decided to leave him. That is the single most dangerous time for a battered woman. When she finally tries to leave, I think he killed her. We don't know how, right? No, we don't know how. Really have inconclusive ending for Gabby. But we do know that she was strangled. We know that it was asphyxiation. We can uh, probably by hand, manual strangulation, not ligature or mechanical, which can mean some other device, like a robe or pantyhose. It was a man- manual strangulation. And what led up to that, we will never know. Well, you you, you told me on, on the phone when we spoke the other day about a forensic anthropologist. Uh, I, I'm not smart enough to know what is a forensic anthropologist. 
you know, Cindy Adams, who's so humble, smarter than every forensic anthropologist put together, uh, they look at human bones. They look at the human artifact. Forensic means they're looking for evidence. So they will be looking at his bones, Brian Laundrie, what there are of them. And I'm really surprised that there are not excavators out there looking for the rest of his bones. There's no way they put that body back together that quickly. Oh my. They will look oh my. at it to determine his COD cause of death. Did he shoot himself? Was he bit by an alligator? Doubtful. Um, there's really not going to be a way for them to get a toxicology report unless they've got some of his hair. That, that may help, probably not. What, so what? the only way to do it now is to see if any of the bones have been nicked, uh, crushed. That's the only way to really try and get a cause of death. Okay, but so far, it's still not determined whether this was actually Brian Laundrie. Is that correct? The FBI says it's him, but I'm going to wait for the DNA result before I finally go along with that identification. What was the site like, and how close were they, the FBI people, allowing you to go? To go? Well, they cut the they cut culture preserve off to the public. Yeah. You had to be part of the search for a relative to get in there. Um, but he or his remains were found not very far away from where he had parked the family car, the Mustang. It was not far at all. But at the time the search launched, uh, Culture Preserve was about 75 to 80 percent underwater, you know, like you would expect in a swamp. His remains were in that water. and. I really believe that's why they did not find them. A lot was made of the fact that Laundrie's parents went searching, finally, and they had been searching for less than an hour, I've been told, and they suddenly do what no scent dog, no drone, no diver had been able to do. They immediately found possessions belonging to their son. Okay. A lot of people suggested it was set up, a conspiracy theory that they had planted the evidence, that's not true. I discount that totally. If you believe that the parents of Brian Laundry planted his belonging in Culture Preserve, you'd have to follow that thinking through to its logical conclusion that they then also planted his body, which is ridiculous. No, of so course, no, of course, of course, yeah. of course, yeah. of course. What floats through a body in swampland? Water, suit, in- insects? What What floats through a body in the swamp? Well, I think that under other circumstances, had there not been so much water, insects would have been very, very important. That is forensic etymology. Because insects are, of course, drawn to a human body, a decaying human body. And based on the age of the insects, believe it or not, very often it can be determined how long the body has been there or how long the body has been decayed. Uh, that, I don't think, is an option here because he was largely underwater. So Mother Nature uh, has affected this investigation far more than we will ever know. We may never get a cause of death, but I do believe we will get a DNA identification. Okay, so what happens now? In this unfinished, you're in a car, are you not now? Because I'm hearing some strange 
sounds. Yes, Cindy, I absolutely am. I just changed lanes. Oh, thank you very much. You couldn't park for five (laughs) minutes while I'm talking to you about a dead body? Okay. And I'm going to park. (laughs) What happens now in this unfinishable case? Well, Cindy, everybody is miserable. That's what happens. And they're going to be heartbroken and miserable for a very long time because Gabby Petito's parents are never going to get all the answers they want. There will be no justice in a court of law. Brian Laundrie will never be held accountable. Brian Laundrie's parents are devastated at the way everything has unfolded. I'm sure they think that they're in the wrong. Were you never scared in such a situation? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, even when I was out on the boat looking at the alligators, no, oh. I was not scared. I was more curious, curious. Okay, well. well I will tell you something interesting, Cindy Adams, that just happened. What happened? Uh, what? I went, I just got back from Aruba, and it was no pleasure trip. It was no pleasure trip at all. I went to Aruba with Natalie Holloway, and we have just got back, and we spent several days there retracing Natalie's steps to try and put Humpty Dumpty back together again to figure out what happened to Natalie Holloway. And I've got to tell you something, Cindy. Yeah. It was uh, unlike anything I ever expected. Aruba was unlike anything I expected when I, when I actually saw the places where, ha- where Natalie was missing, when I saw Jordan Vandersloot's home, who I say murdered Natalie Holloway. It, it, just, it just left me with such a feeling of injustice. I just can't tell you because I know you remember because we talked about it at the yeah, time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that I said, if this guy walks, he's going to kill somebody again. And they let him walk, of course. And he did, five years, I think, to the day, murder another young girl he met on vacation, Stephanie Tassiana Flores. And if he had been stopped in Aruba, Stephanie would be alive today. Well, I'll tell you the truth, Nancy Grace. I'll tell you something. You are very boring to talk to. You never have anything to say, and I'm tired of listening to you and hang up. You're really annoying, and thank you. And I, lo- I love you to death. I'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Oh, Sandy, it's so great to hear your voice. I love you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, you too. Bye. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.